Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, well, Sunny is back. Yep, she's come off the road from her cross country adventure and has landed right back here in Seattle. So tune in as Sunny broadcasts live for a special Soul Digger edition of Sunny in Seattle, where she'll be sharing her lessons learned on the road. And now we welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I am your host, Sunny Joy McMillan, and we are here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW, bringing you amazing guests and resources that will help you create a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access those show archives. You can find those at 1150kknw.com. You can also find the show on iTunes and Podcast One. And my website is goldenoversoul.com. That is goldenoversoul.com. It's so funny, Benny, because we were giggling before we went on air. I'm sitting across the studio desk from you. You're behind all of your regular screens. And you were like, I think we always knew this was going to (laughs) happen. Maybe Benny is more intuitive than we ever gave him credit for. Thank you. She couldn't stay away, everybody. She couldn't stay away. <laughs> like, file this one away and didn't see that coming. Because I was telling Benny, um, you know, when we set off for Petaluma two and a half years ago, when we set off on our road trip adventure from Petaluma um, to do our cross-country trip, um, did not foresee, like, there were various possibilities on the table, really, about where we might go between the road trip and applying for Divinity School again and all that. And I, Seattle was not at the top of that list, which is so crazy. But I mean, I guess it's always on the list when you love a place as much as we do love Seattle. And of course, Chase's entire family is here. So it's kind of, that's a, it's just, it's an easy landing spot no matter what. I think ultimately you like, we're looking in the rearview mirror, <laughs> seeing Seattle getting smaller and smaller. And yet you're like, I'm going back there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it will all shake out, but um, we are very happy to be back for the foreseeable future. I could summarize the whole thing. We won't even listen to the show anymore. It'd be like, here's Sonny leaving Seattle, picked up a dog, <laughs> went around, came back. Yeah. That's about it. Well, okay, no, I know there's okay. more to it than yeah, that. Two and a half years later. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah but That's what so it takes. <laughs> here we are, which is kind of going to be the theme of the show today. Um, the hashtag didn't see that coming. Um, and some of the things that I learned along the way there. So I will ask you, Benny. Well, Hashtag first of all, didn't see that <laughs> I think that's an old one, but it, it feels very relevant and <laughs> timely to me going. at the moment. Yeah, yeah I know. We'll re- resurface that one. Um, but one quick other housekeeping matter. You may have noticed out there in listening world that I didn't say anything about uh, 103.3 KPCA in Petaluma. And that is because um, Petaluma... Uh, KPCA Radio and PCA, their general Petaluma community access arms that they have in television and radio and et cetera, their regulations, because it is a community station, require that their broadcasters or their participants um, be local residents of Petaluma. And we can't claim that status anymore um, now that we are officially back in Petaluma. So um, we are back to being a KKNW only show at this point. I mean, point. that's being fair play, right? There. Oh, that's absolutely. fair game. You know, you're not a resident. Well, we're not going to give you a radio show. You know, if you're going <laughs> to come right. and go as you please, <laughs> yeah, 
think we're going to allow that. You can take it on the road as long as you come back. Oh, you're not going to come back. So, but KPCA, that I have to say, it was such a fun experience, and it was and it was a great way to round of applause. It was very nice of them to pick Rob us up. Rob and um, Jeff and all the other folks at KPCA yeah. who pay, make that place such a special community access station. Um, and it was so much fun to be able to use the studio there. And it just was a great way to land in Petaluma and make ourselves feel right at home immediately, like a part of the community. So anyway, I fully understand why <laughs> we're going to be a Seattle-only show, but I right. just want to say that in case you notice we're not doing the Petaluma disclaimer and the announcement and everything. Um, so yeah, thanks KPCA and Petaluma. Yeah. But and what's great is they were great for part of the radio community for us. I mean, yeah. a great bunch of people there and yeah. instant answers coming for mm-hmm. the technical side for me, mm-hmm. which I'm really all about and uh, couldn't have been happier. And so yeah. hopefully we'll, our paths will cross again. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's so funny because when I got to Petaluma, KPCA is a, I think it's a 40-watt station, which is very little. Crushing it in the biz. Well, no, because it's a local. I mean, Petaluma is small. and Geographically, though, yeah. they're kind of set around where their signal probably couldn't get any little further anyway. Exactly. So compare that again, to where it fits. KKW is what, like 15,000? We've got a few more zeros watts. on yeah. the end of ours. We go from Everett yeah. down to Tacoma. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, it felt, it was so, it was just fun to be a part of something that was just so yeah. um, Close knit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what it felt like. So anyway. Bougie. Anywho. I love bougie. <laughs> I don't know if because it's a, a tight knit thing. It's like oh, okay. it's only like a, or boutique. I should say boutique. There you go. I like Not that. bougie boutique. Because they weren't snooty at all. No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, anyway, okay, so farewell for now to Petaluma and KPCA, although I have a feeling we're not done there. So who knows how this So will another go. rear view mirror. Exactly. Looking back. That was a hard around. one. And you know what's so funny? This is so freaking fitting for coming back to the Pacific Northwest in November of all months to be coming from sunny California. We took the 101 as far as we could, and there's Ooh. this tunnel right about the border between California and Oregon. And um, so we... Does we, it go across the border while you're in the tunnel? It doesn't go across the border, oh. but it is very, like, within miles of the border. So it really, to me, is like a definitive, you're leaving California and going into Oregon. And sure enough, visual we've been concept, driving. Yeah. yeah, and it gets better because we're driving and we're driving through, you know, wine country and the beautiful rolling hills that I love there still feel such a connection to. And the sun is shining. And then we go into this tunnel <laughs> and we come out the other side and literally drive into fog. <laughs> It's like, guess, guys. Boom, rain, <laughs> uh, wind. Like, yeah, we're back. That's exactly <laughs> reality check. Oh my gosh. Oh, I still haven't had enough rain in my life. Having grown up in Texas, I feel like my soul is still parched. But That's poor Chase, great. he's a little concerned. So anyway, it was just the most fitting metaphor or actual literal. I don't know. It, anyway, it was a great way to cross back over to the totally. Pacific Northwest. So here we are. Yeah, and so welcome back. Hey, thanks. You know, me. welcome. Back. I know you're a little little. <laughs> Soft, they're all teary eyed. I know it makes sense. Yeah, there were some tears leaving Petaluma. Oh no, it's me. I'm always crying. My eyes are always a little leaky. I find, you know, I'm a pretty I've got something in both my eyes. I have emotions in both of my eyes. I know. I know. I know. (sighs) So, and also, I have to say, we're sitting here in the studio, and I haven't, of course, I had this view for a couple weeks while we were visiting Seattle, but this is so perfect because it was raining all night, and you can see the clouds moving off of what are. What are, are those the Cascades over there? No, maybe? those are the Olympics. The Olympics, sorry. You're I looking west. Know this. Yes, I'm looking west. And the clouds are slowly coming off of it. It's and been that sun, long, huh? no, I'm just yeah, kidding. <laughs> it really has been. I don't even think I knew my geography properly when we did live here for seven years. But 
Um, you can see the clouds coming off of it, and I can see the sun shining over the Space Needle and the Olympics, and it's just, yeah, it's really, it's really beautiful. Saying, you missed us. Of course I did. I know. Yes. So, all that long-winded way of saying, I'm back, and sitting across from Benny. So, Benny, let me ask you real quick before I launch into my sure. lessons from the road monologue that I have put together for today. Um what is the last, or maybe I should say, what is one of the biggest hashtag didn't see that coming moments in your life that oh, ended man. up being? And if you need a moment to think about it. Well, think... instantly right away for is my boys. Really? Because when we were pregnant, we were only expecting just the one. Oh. Literally. Like, oh, yeah, hands down, that would be like the top of the top. Okay. Within top three. I mean, I'm sure there's a couple more in there. You'll have to give me a couple minutes on the other two. Yeah. But at least, yeah, we were pregnant. I'm like, great, we got one on the way. So happy, and then we went for our first ultrasound, and we're like, oh, Ooh. that's different. <laughs> uh, and it definitely was a reality check and just, like, <laughs> dollar signs and just, like, I mean, seriously, because none of us, none of our family members thought of that. Really? No, not and one person. you don't person. know where it goes back in the family? Well, we had to look. We okay. had to, it goes on the mother's side, so okay. we then looked back. There was a couple sets of twins that kind of went down through. Um, and then we kind of did a little more deep diving uh, in pictures with uh, my boy's mom and her sister when they were little. Uh-huh. They had joked about it yeah. while they were having like, you know, balls under their shirts and like, we're yeah. going to be pregnant. You know, they were yeah. like six or seven or whatever. Yeah. And like, I think one of them said, yeah, one of us is going to have twins. <gasps> she she doesn't remember which or who said that. Yeah. But there was that kind of coming through. And so. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then so I'm wondering, you know, my some of the things I've learned that. When even though the human may be surprised about it, the soul is like, "That's exactly what I needed." Like, yeah. can you imagine it being any other way without having these no. boys as twins? No. And then you've I've talked to the boys, you know, as far as like, you know, could you imagine like, you know, one of you not here? And they're like, "Not at all." Like they just couldn't even fathom. Yeah. And they're like, "Yeah, there's tons of kids around with only themselves." Yeah. And they have to hit up their parents a lot for everything. Me, yeah, I'm right? the only child. That right. Would be. Exactly. So yeah. it's a it's a different place to be and think about. And for me, I had two sisters, one younger, one older. So I was able to bounce off that way. Yeah. And my little sister and I are eight months apart because I'm adopted. Yep. So that's a, was good for my mom. She's like, it just worked out so perfect. Yeah. Because it was a little less for her to ham- handle because we could manage each other. Exactly. Just run around and do our thing. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, it's been great, but I mean, you can't really, I can't answer that yeah. fully because I've never had a singleton, yeah. <laughs> if that's what you want to call it, after this or before, so. Well, that's not what was meant to happen then. Yeah, I know, right? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thanks for yeah. going there with me, Benny. But you do treat them as one. <laughs> I will say that, as being a parent of <laughs> really? twins, treat them as one early on, as quickly as you can, people. Do it. Like, <laughs> Wait, they both eat, they both sleep. Oh, I see what you Try mean. to manage them as one to okay. get mom and dad the chance to just work their stuff out. Because yeah. there's a lot coming at them. <laughs> Uh, and if one doesn't go down, you just got to push at it, you know? And if they don't go to sleep, one that doesn't either, just stay with them and you got to push the other one down too. I mean, okay. it's like, you've got to, tr- it's only going to yeah. be easier for the parents. Otherwise you will lose your mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good to know, Benny. Yeah, there you go. Benny's like, uh, what, corner, yes, <laughs> like Benny's advice, par- advice, parent advice corner. But, yeah, because yeah, isn't there one of the podcasts that Chase listens to right? with uh, Bill Simmons, they have parent corner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's awesome. We should maybe do that. Yeah, there you go. Well, I can't, I mean, I have like furry parent corner, like. That fur, works too. Fur baby corner. Sure. <laughs> I think that's very appropriate. We have a lot of animal friends yeah. and family here on the station, so yeah. why not? That's we'll great. see how that goes. 
Okay, Benny. Well, thank you for You're participating. Welcome. And um, okay, so now the monologue. My lessons from the road. Um, so the last time I did try to do a lessons from the road, I think um, it ended up becoming a prologue about answering the call to adventure. These really are lessons from the road because here we are. Um, we went through 19 different states, traveled, I think, over, I'm going to have to look at the mileage on the car again, over 12,000 miles, wow. I believe, when it was all said and done. Yeah. Um, That's a lot. <laughs> it really That's is. a lot of butt miles. <laughs> it really is. We were moving because it wasn't like, you know, we'd arrive somewhere and people would be staying there for, you know, a week or two. And every place we stayed along the way, it ended up being three, I mean, sometimes only two nights, sometimes only one night if yeah. we were really on, trying to hustle Well, to some get. of those shows were very yeah. appropriate yeah, when we yeah. aired them. So we really did. We didn't take it. It wasn't a leisurely pace for much of our trip. But yeah, yeah over 12,000 miles. And then now coming back where we sit here today, about seven months from door to door, um, six months when we were out on the road and then about that additional month was us getting back down to Petaluma and figuring out, oh, goodness, we're coming back to Seattle. Mm -hmm. Here we are. So it was a long time. So I do, I mean, it would be, if you come off of that and haven't learned anything, <laughs> I don't know. I, I learned a lot. <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, there is there is a lot to learn. Um, but so we'll just start. I have about four big lessons that I want to go through today, and I'll just highlight them, and we'll see how far we get with them. Um, yeah, number one, the divine will deliver. Number two, it may not be what your human wants, but it will be what your soul wants. Number three, practice makes peaceful. And then number four, if all else fails, throw a Hail Mary pass. So <laughs> I'll tell you what a each one is. Sports reference. Just got to yes. throw one in there eventually. Oh, yeah. It's both spiritual and sporty today, Benny. Of course today, it is. <laughs> yeah. Go Hawks. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, oh, my gosh. Just as a little side note. It is so nice to be back in Seahawks country as opposed to having been in Niners country because for whatever reason, I guess because there is a rivalry there, um, mm -hmm. Chase was not in a happy place being in Niners country. <laughs> it was like, I am a Seahawks. I am a fan of two different teams. <laughs> I am a Seahawks fan and anyone who is playing the Niners. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And for that, exactly. <laughs> Hawks out. Okay. So very nice to be back in the blue and the green. Um, so... Number one lesson, the divine will deliver. So one of the things when we hit the road, we didn't know how long we would be on the road. And so we didn't really invest in a huge, you know, go with you Wi-Fi system. And there are various ways you can do that. But inevitably, if it's satellite, you're relying on having open skies. If it's tied to your cellular network like a hotspot, you have to have good cellular coverage. And we were going into places that were one or both or neither, and it just was so up in the air. We also didn't know how long we'd be on the road. So long story long, we didn't invest in a, in a Wi-Fi system to take with us. So, of course, if you've been following the show, you heard all of these moments where we'd be relying on spotty Wi-Fi and Vinny and I would have to reconnect over the phone. or And it was just kind of up in the air. But what I noticed was at the beginning, I was so worked up about, oh, my gosh, is the Wi-Fi going to work? What is it going to be like? And those would be the times when I would have the most, the most problems. You know, I'd be the most nervous, and, and I think in, in an energetic sense, that affected the ability of Benny and I to really connect. Now, You even gave me a heads up. Like, even the yeah. night before, a couple of days, like, I'm not really sure. Yeah. We're 100 miles away from the previous location. We yeah. had a whole bunch of bars, and now we have zero bars. Yeah. And I'm like, you'll figure it out. We'll exactly. get there. It's all good. Well, Benny knew something I didn't, I guess, which was I don't know. Trust. I guess yeah. I've just been sitting here, so, like, I don't have to jump. 
too far. You do. <laughs> yeah. So you're you're you have, you're stuck where I have multiple uh, you know options to choose from. So yeah. To speak, so. Well, so what I noticed about three months in, I just got to the point where I threw my hands up and was like, you know what? We've been able to make this happen so far. Why am I getting worked up about this? And what is really what is the worst that's going to happen? I have a guest that's been booked that is uh, you know maybe they have to reschedule and there's little inconvenience there, but that's life. And maybe we have to do a rebroadcast. That's okay. It's not the end Hello of the world. pandemic. I mean, yeah, exactly. Things have been rescheduled a lot. Exactly. But I feel this certain, like, <gasps> perfection need to have it, you know. Anyway, so at, at a certain point, I just had to give up on that. And then what I started noticing was it would be so easy to find perfect Wi-Fi. Like, the first campground that I looked at would have, like, a new high-speed system that they just installed. And they would put us in the spot right next to the expander. And I could sit in the trailer and do the show. Or um, I found, you know, little ways to get around. You know, if you use the, the Zoom app on your phone over the cellular network, I could, you know, basically stand on one foot with my arm up in the air in a certain spot. And I could always find the right signal. And I just, I have to say, it. I trusted by the end of the trip, I didn't even give it a second thought until usually about 30 minutes before the show. And I would just be like, I'd kind of smile at the universe, smile up at the sky, which is kind of my way of checking in and say, hey, guys, uh, or hey, team, what, you know, I need some help this morning. What do you got for me? And the most recent example was that time in, um, we were in um, Mendocino. Was it Mendocino? Yeah, I think we were outside of Mendocino at this little beachside community. And I hadn't even checked in with the office at the, at the campground. I would usually do that immediately when we got there and I'd be all worried about it. And I just went in the morning and was like, hey, I'm going to park here. I think I get better signal. And she's like, would you like to use this beautiful, dedicated office room for campers in the back of our space? I remember that. And then there was a little angel coin on the desk. Yeah. So I will just say the divine delivered majorly when I got my nervous, anxiety-ridden self out of the way and just trusted it's going to be fine. And if it's not... If it doesn't work out for the show to happen, that's fine, too. That needed to happen. Maybe my guests needed to have that cancel that morning because they weren't in a great space. It's all working out. And I will also say the other thing. I used to be so super grippy. Whenever I would make a dinner reservation or we would – I remember this was with my ex-husband and we would travel and I would want – this specific room in the certain window overlooking the certain view. And if we didn't have that, I would get all worked up. Or we go to the restaurant. Those are the, your, per your requests? Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, for no, I wouldn't. I would just have this thing in mind that I wanted oh. for. I wouldn't be demanding about it. I was mm. never like, <laughs> I was never like I'm that. not trying to call you out. Just, oh, no, no, no. I'm glad you clarified because if I suggested that. But in my mind. I wanted this view over this thing, and I wanted this table at dinner because that one had, you know, the best view. It's got to be perfect. Exactly. It had to be perfect. And I would really try to white-knuckle, death grip, you know, manhandle the situation into forcing what I wanted. So I'd call ahead, and I'd ask about spots available. and Cross your arms. There are four chocolate strawberries. I want a five. (laughs) Okay. My God, if I was ever like that. If that's what I'm coming across like right now, Benny. No, 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 no. Please, no. But... I just, I guess I had in my mind that I knew what I wanted to happen for this experience. Mm -hmm. And if it didn't go that way, I would be disappointed. And there was a certain point on this trip where I thought, I'm not calling campgrounds. I'm not going to lock in sites. I'm just going to see what we get when we get there. That's what this trip is about. And can I just tell you that when I quit trying to specify where we wanted to park the camper and 
and what corner and blah, blah, blah. That's when not only would we have the best Wi-Fi, for example, if that was a day that I needed it for work or the show, but inevitably we would get these like beachside spots that were like the best spot in the house. And I would just marvel at spot after spot was like the one that like overlooked this beautiful canyon and the one that was next to the river where we could put the raft out the back of the airstream and hop in the river with Movi like for the (laughs) river rafting. Like it was just wild. And so I learned, and okay, so let's just say there were two instances toward the tail end of the trip where I, I'd gotten so excited about these spots that we'd had. I, I thought, I just want to keep this going for the rest of our trip. And I got involved and I would specify. And sure enough, the spot would be on the end of the row, but there would be a huge spotlight like from, you know, the parking lot shining into the camper and it would keep Movi awake all night and I couldn't sleep. And I just had to laugh. Like I would get up the next morning and go, OK, this is what happened when Sonny the human gets involved. Let Sonny's soul well, you and tighten the, the grip. Exactly. And exactly. What you said earlier, which I really appreciate your descriptor on the like being less grippy. Yeah. And that yeah. sounds like you were. And now when you try to fall back into that, you tighten it up and yeah. you're like, no, 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 no. And then what happens? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. I'm, and I at that point I had to laugh because the the I don't know if you want to call it anecdotal evidence. I might even call it empirical. Well, maybe I'm not using that word right. I will say it was evidence for me. Mm-hmm. When I got involved, it didn't go well. When I let the universe just do what it was going to do, we got exactly not only what we needed, but what was the best. So, if you give the divine a chance, in my experience from this trip, lesson number one from the road. It will deliver like you will you will get um, you will get the coolest opportunities. And for example, um, one one other way, it was always, you know, like I said, the best spots. And we were we were going on the last leg of our trip through Coos Bay, um, Oregon, because we wanted to be as much along the coast as we could. And I got online and there was like no availability. This was over. It was It's one of like the final, I think, weekends that folks in the Pacific Northwest go out to the Oregon coast, you know, where you can depend that the sun's going to be out. Yeah. Yeah. And so start shutting down. Exactly. Like it's at that tail end. Mm -hmm. So everybody's trying to get their last camping trip in. And I looked online and there was no availability at this one particular spot that was like, it's a really cool camping spot um, in that area. And I thought, yeah, okay. We'll just we'll just see how it goes. So we're about 30 minutes out of town and I call the campground. I thought, you know, what does it hurt? I'll just give him a call. I've been checking online. There's nothing available. I call and the woman goes, wouldn't you know, we just had a cancellation in one of our beachfront sites. I can't believe you got this site. This these are usually reserved. I don't even know how this is available. And I'm like, thanks, universe, for like one of our last big stays. So Give the divine a chance to deliver, and it may just give you exactly, you know, what it is that's going to just um, bring joy to your being. Um, so lesson number two, this was another big one, though. Okay, so let the, the divine will deliver. Yes, it will. But also keep in mind that it may not be what your human wants necessarily, but it will always be what your soul wants for you. So I've mentioned this on a couple of First Fridays. Um that when we hit the road, what I really was looking for was a reset. You know, there was the disappointment around not getting into divinity school. There was the our lease being up in Petaluma and knowing that it was not a good fit for us to stay in that place. So we had this opportunity, and I thought, what better way for me to do a reset on divinity school, on my work, on Chase's work, on our 
living situation, all of the things. Let's do this road trip. And I'm, of course, envisioning hitting the road with literally sunshine and rainbows and having mountaintop experiences and these beautiful epiphanies. And it's strengthening, you know, my spiritual practice that I had going when we pulled away from Petaluma. And <clears throat> that was not exactly. <laughs> I love you painting the picture. It's so fabulous. It's like literally the Bob Ross. Like you're looking at it like yeah. it's so inviting, so gorgeous and waiting yeah. for me to arrive. And I'm not, I don't mean to take it on like a really dark note, but a lot of our path at the tail end of our trip did follow where Gabby Petito and Brian Laundry went. You know, the, yeah. yeah. And I know mm-hmm. there, I'm sure folks out there, I'm not going to go into the details of that. I mean, just Google it if you're not familiar with who I'm talking about. But, you know, if you look at her Instagram feed leading up to that, it is sunshine and rainbows. And you just have no idea what really is going on behind, behind the, the scenes, scenes on a road trip adventure. Um, and that one, of course, ended uh, from a human perspective incredibly tragically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much, so many unanswered questions and a lot of pain. Um, so I will say, you know, I, not to, again, not to take that in a dark note, but there was so much that, um, even from the outside of our social media feed, you know, of course I'm going to post when we're in those moments that are like you want to capture because they're so beautiful, but it wasn't all easy. It really, it really wasn't on so many levels. Um, it really challenged a lot of my, um, my need for predictability and security and knowing what comes next. So for a challenge that human desire. Now, my soul doesn't need any of that. My soul is along for the adventure knowing that just like all the near-death experiencers who come back and they have these themes and the messages that they share, we can't get this wrong. You are never alone. You are dearly loved. You can't make a mistake. Like from the human perspective, just showing up in a human body in on this planet, that's enough. Everything else is just going to be icing on the cake and soul growth. Um, some of it pleasant from the human perspective, some of it not so much. Um, so knowing that, this was a really good exercise for my human. Um, because as I've mentioned, I wanted, you know, mountaintop experiences and epiphanies. And what I got was a, a magical, captivating, yet incredibly challenging puppy. We were just looking back at pictures Um, from six months ago because she didn't seem little when we found her but looking back six months ago I haven't looked at those pictures when we first picked her up on the side of the road and her ribs were showing she was so little and now she is huge she is a huge shepherd like I mean it's just crazy and she is equal parts well not equal parts she is more magical and captivating than challenging but my goodness the challenging part Woo! She is she is a handful of a dog, but she is exactly what we needed and we really were asking for from a soul level. And and then among this trip that was not, you know, along the hashtag didn't see that coming, this was an opportunity for a huge new career uh not path, because Chase has worked, of course, for this family company before, but this isn't a new in a new way with new potentials out ahead in the future that perhaps were not there before. Um, And so (laughs) what my human wanted, not at all what happened, but what my soul is getting a lot of, oh, what's the word, just expansion from, that's exactly what's happening. And I'll put it even in a larger perspective. 
Um, what I've really been asking for and what I believe, and I, you know, it'll take getting to the other side, looking back um, down the road to see if this is actually what happens. But I think part of what I've been asking for from a soul level, asking to be able to do in a human body is to know my worth and value separate and apart from all the externals that humans may use to validate their existence. Some people, um, I have friends, for example, um, that, that really have a need to be, have a, a romantic partner, uh, particularly where, from where I'm from, you know, be married. Um, and then, of course, have children. Um, that's something that is a real big identifier for many of them. Um, for me, and I've talked about this a lot, um, the amount of money in my bank account and the degrees that I could hang on the wall from fancy institutions were very important for me to validate um, my intelligence and my worthiness to be able to, um, I guess, you know, feel like I'm on a, an even playing field with the rest of the humans out there. Um, I also put a huge amount of my identity into um, being married to someone who had a powerful, wealthy position in the world um, compared to other folks out there. Um, and then, of course, there was always the amount of external pressure. And I think it's very hard if you are, if you identify as female um, in our culture, not to, to, to be able to withstand the pressure to look a certain way have your body be a certain size within certain parameters and have to age in a certain way and to remain youthful and those kind of things. I, I know some people are able to withstand it more than others. I, that's been one of my biggest um, weak points is having my identity wrapped up in my, ex, in my external appearance and, and um, the size of my body, the way that my face looks, the way that my hair looks, the way the clothes that, that I, the clothes that I wear, you know, that kind of a thing. All, it all sounds very, um, I would say, you know, superficial is one word, but I will say that's the social self. You know, we distinguish between your essential self, the part of you stripped of basically everything but the spiritual being. <laughs> it's, it's your spiritual being at its core. You know, you're, you're that even though, you know, when folks who work on the other side of the veil, either are mediums or intuitives or folks who've had near-death experiences and come back, you know, they, they all say similar things that, you know, you're, while you become um, uh, in your ethereal form, you are connected with all that is, you still retain a unique identity, even when you are not in a human body. It's this identity that transcends lifetimes and it transcends every form that you'll take throughout the eternity of your being. Um, you still will retain a unique identity out there, even if you are not in a body, you know, with certain roles and such that you have in while you're on planet Earth. So all that to say, you know, your essential self is the, the spiritual being. And the social self is really the human having the experience, the social self that um, responds to um, being raised in a certain country, in a certain community, in a certain family, in a certain religion, in a certain political climate, all our political beliefs, like that kind of a thing. Um, it, so I'd say, you know, my, those were all my social self things. So what I've been asking for since I stepped away from that previous chapter of my life back in Texas, and it, it's going, it'll be 10 years in January, really. I think that's kind of where I set the timer. So that was 10 years ago that I stepped away from that. 
So it's been 10 years of me asking to know what it feels like to know my worth and value the way that God knows it, the way that spirit knows it, the way that I know it when I'm not in a human body. Can I remember that while I'm in human form? And so (laughs) the past 10 years have been this whittling down. And I remember when I had this conversation with my um, then husband, we were separated at the time. This would have been in around 2011, fall 2011. And I said it, you know, I'd, I'd moved out of the big house that we shared. I wasn't accessing our vacation property in L.A. I wasn't going to all the fancy parties. I wasn't on his arm, so to speak, you know. And I was in this tiny little studio apartment with my dog and my cat and just as the few amount of clothes that would fit in this tiny little closet. And I said, I felt like a house being taken down to its foundations. And I look at that now and I'm like, oh, naive little Sonny back 10 years ago. Little did you know what the whittling down would really look like. And I say this from an extreme place of privilege now. I still, I have, I have so much to be so grateful for. I mean, we just spent the last seven months on a road trip adventure, and we were able to do that because of the financial resources that have lasted since my divorce. Thank you, um, you know, for that conduit through which great blessings came um, through my marriage, even though it didn't last forever. It was a great soul adventure. So little did I know, though, what the whittling down in my relative to my experience would be. Okay, so I walk away from the marriage and the identity around being married to this really wealthy, powerful man. I walked away from the career as an attorney that I really had hung my hat on to be able to feel good about myself. I walked away um, from all that came along with that part of my life, okay? And so then, you know, we keep walking forward. And my body has changed in the last 10 years um, in a way that um, has not always been comfortable for me. But I think I can't learn how to love myself separate from the externals any other way. So it's been an incredible exercise in um, me loving myself even though I no longer fit the glossy magazine image that I had worked so hard through (laughs) Adderall, uh, ridiculous um, amounts of exercise that were unhealthy and not nourishing my body with food. Like, oh my goodness, my poor body at that time. No wonder I was already beginning to develop like um, what looked to be like rheumatoid arthritis in my joints at the time. I was so toxic and so malnourished. But anyway... All of that to say, my body has changed over the past 10 years. So that has been taken away from me in a way, me being able to fit the mold of what I thought I needed to be. And then move forward even a few more years here, and we sell our home in Seattle. So I no longer have that cultural identifier of or that security that so many people place in owning a place that feels like yours. And then, of course, we give up even our rental in Petaluma and all of our things go into a storage unit. At this point, my entire life fits in a storage unit at public storage in Petaluma, basically. That's our entire life fits in there, which that is, it's just been a slow whittling down. And then even that, remember, you know, a month ago, those things were water damaged, including some of the old clothes that I hadn't even been able to get rid of in consignment because nobody needed fancy clothes or high-heeled shoes and, or, you know, stiletto heels because nobody was going anywhere <laughs> when I took these things to consignment because of the pandemic. So it's like slowly all of these things um, were taken, not taken. Uh, what's the word? It just it was a whittling down, conscious and sometimes unconscious of it happening. Um, and then so then go to divinity school and I had already kind of hung my hat on 
on becoming a divinity school student. So there was an identity I was already a- attaching myself to. And when that didn't happen, um, here we are out on the road. And I have maybe three or four pairs of shoes, a couple pair of pants, a couple T-shirts. Because, you know, what else can you really travel with? And what else do you really wear day to day from your closet? Even when I had mountains of clothes, I would end up wearing some of the same items, you know, day to day. And so even on the trip, a sweet movie with her giant paws and very sharp craws has destroyed several of my shirts. I'll, you know, so many things. Both of my pairs of tennis shoes have holes. Like I'm down to just a few items of clothes right now that are accessible to me. And now we move into a temporary rental here in Seattle like this week, um, which is it's an Airbnb and so it has a lot of other people's things in it. It's it's not ours. And so I'm looking around, and it's really just me, Chase, our animals, and what few items we have with us. And I thought, how perfect is this? How perfect is this? How else could I possibly learn how to be than having all of the things that I previously identified with um, removed again sometimes intentionally sometimes unintentionally sometimes consciously sometimes unconsciously I think the soul was at work all the time setting this up and who knows how much farther this will go we still I mean are blessed to have the airstream that's something that we get as a home you know of sorts um but I'm I'm just reminded of this um quote and it's from um I think it was a zen monk and I don't know the person's name I just heard this through Martha Beck um years ago and quite serendipitously I'd been thinking about this and then quite serendipitously she said it on one of her most recent little podcasts within the last couple weeks so that's one of those winks from the universe that I always enjoy that tells me I'm I'm in alignment with what I'm supposed to be you know thinking and feeling at this moment in time around all these things but the quote goes something like um you know that the only thing we can depend on as humans is really impermanence you can try to save all the money and structure your life and have the secure job and have the marriage and all the things and that you think everything is just, you know, you've lined up your ducks. Um, They're in a row. But really, the only thing you can depend on in a human life is impermanence. Who knows what can happen um, in in the blink of an eye to your health, to your relationship, to your money, to your job, all of those things. So in that vein, really the only way to live is, is, is by, um, depending on and expecting impermanence. And so the quote goes, pull the rug out from under your feet, then pull the floor out from under the rug, then pull the ground out from under the floor. Now you're getting somewhere. Like now, now we're talking. This is, this is the, the, the type of um, expectation you should have for <laughs> comfort, really. Um, if you really want to dive deep in a human life to what the journey can bring. Um, and so that's exactly kind of how I felt over the past couple of weeks, particularly as we pulled away from Petaluma. I mean, we can't even rely on, we're not even Petalumans anymore. Are we even Seattleites? Like, what what are we other than spiritual beings on a grand adventure? Um, and so, yeah, um, now it really does feel like uh, a house, me, the house, um, that's a metaphor for me, being taken to its foundation. And who knows? Maybe the foundation is going to have to go. Who knows what kind of excavating there still is left to do before this is all said and done, before I really do know what it feels like to just look in the mirror and be, feel valuable, feel worthy, 
and feel the magnificence and dearly lovedness that we are as spiritual beings in a human body on this planet. Um, so this is this has been an exercise of it was not what the human wanted or expected of this road trip adventure, but I think it's exactly what my soul wanted, and it's exactly the kind of soul growth that could only happen when these things occur. Um, so lesson two may not be what the human wants, but it will be what your soul wants. Okay, so lesson three, practice makes peaceful. Um, <laughs> you may remember an interview I did. Oh, gosh, it's probably, I think I was in Petaluma, so it could have been even two years ago. Kim Stanwood Terranova, um, she's not someone that you may have heard of. Um, I know she's done some teaching and preaching at Agape Spiritual Center in, in L.A., and um, she had a fabulous little book out called The Technology of Intention that really resonated for me. One of the things that she talked about in there that stood out and I've taken with me the most was a story she told about um, she, she lived in California, in Malibu specifically, and she lost her home in the Malibu fires several years ago. And there were some other big crises that happened in her life. Um, I, my recollection was something along the lines of her kid had a huge health crisis or an injury. And I think she was losing a relationship or lost a relationship right around that time. And so she would go into her spiritual counselor um, weekly and would, you know, regale her counselor with all of the miseries and the woes in her life and oh my gosh how am I going to do this and why did this person do this and why me and why this and that and this should be happening shouldn't be happening you know the way that <laughs> I think I have done many times in a therapist's office and I'm sure everyone has their own version of it out there and her therapist would just kindly be with her and then ask at the end of the monologue how's your practice Kim and Kim would go, oh, well, I didn't really have time for it. You know, oh, I couldn't, you know, my kid was in the hospital or the horses needed this or my house dealing with insurance. I, I just, you know, I didn't really get to it. And the therapist would just nod and then session would end. She'd come back the next week, do the same thing all over. The therapist would ask kindly, peacefully, gently but firmly, how's your practice, Kim? And she said it was like months of that until one day she looked up and went, oh, I get it. The practice is the thing that's going to make the human experience doable and keep my connection to my soul and to the divine and something greater in the thread of the cosmic plan here, the divine right timing and plan that's available when I practice my practice. And so I love that story because it 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 is it really epitomizes my experience. So, you know, in Petaluma, my practice was so easy. I'd go run in the hills. It was so inspiring watching the sunrise, beautiful California sunshine and weather and listening to all my favorite, you know, inspiring teachers and channels and all the things. And I had a regular routine for it and the space for it, the time for it, the energy for it. And then we get on the road. And yeah, I could have set my alarm earlier, but there is just something about you know, having to pack up campsite to campsite, day to day. And then, of course, you add Movi to the equation, our sweet dog. But, oh, my goodness, the minute I'm up, she's up, and she needs attending to. And then you can't just let her out in a yard. You have to walk her in a campsite and all of the things. It just There were just layers of, of, um, of encroaching upon time, energy, and space that were not there when we were in Petaluma. And my practice, man, it fell by the wayside. Um, I... The, I barely, so my, my lesson from the road is practice makes peaceful because 
I noticed that it wasn't even available for me when I did have time to listen. Say, for example, you know, I love Sarah Landon and the council. That's one of those um, emotional, vibrational speed dial um, teachings that I can connect to. And I know, bam, man, it just puts me into my, if you like Abraham Hicks, you know, puts me on my high flying disc. It puts me in that high vibe. Um, just I'm, I'm peaceful. I feel free. I feel courage. I feel confident. I feel all of the things that I think were that are possible when you're really connected with your soul and with the divine. Um, but it's funny when I did have time to listen, I couldn't, I couldn't listen to the council during this trip often because I feel like I, it was too much of a leap to get from where I was to get to the high vibration where they are or where that, that the, the teachings are. Um, it was just too much of a stretch. I needed something that met me a little bit more with where I was in my humanity with some of the difficulties or the just the the discomfort of uh, what my life looked like day to day, moment to moment at that time. And so I'll say one of the ones that I continued, it was, you know, Tosha Silver. I talk about her a lot. Her weekly uh, recordings that she does um, within her forum, I'm a member of that. That was one of the ones I could listen to. I could listen to Martha Beck, too, and her funny little <laughs> her podcast she does with Roe. Uh, bewildered and also her gathering room podcast. Um, those were things I could listen to. And it just, it was like, um, that was the thing that kept my practice afloat. And it was, it was more like I was treading water with my practice and my head would bob up and I would get what I needed, the air, and then I'd oh, kind of fall below the surface again. Um, so that part of the lesson is practice makes peaceful. You may not be able to do the practice that you envision with all of, you know, I have in my office in Petaluma, for example, I had kind of like my little basket of toy. It was like my toy box, my spiritual toy box. And it would have my journal and my oracle cards and all of the books at my fingertips that were so loved and dog-eared and highlighted. I could get the quote I needed when I wanted it to encourage me or, you know, all of those things. The hills were right outside my window if I needed to take a walk and connect. When I didn't have that, I had to take my practice to a minimum, a bare minimum, and that's okay. Um, whatever your practice needs to look like to even get you the air to keep your head bobbing above the water when you can get that air, do it. And then I noticed this week we land back in Seattle and um, I'm able to, we're back in our old neighborhood. Of course, this is a temporary little Airbnb style rental, but I'm able to walk the Chief's South Trail and I'm taking Movi on it. And I pulled out the council's, you know, recording, recent recording, and put that on. And it was just like, bam, back on my high-flying disc. Like, okay, now I'm back in practice. You know, I'm getting up at a certain time. I'm able to go for that walk. I have not all my things around me, but I have some of the stuff available to me. And we're not packing up to drive away from a campsite, you know. Um, and so... Find find the frequency that can keep you afloat. Just like I had a couple of things that would keep me going, just knowing that practice makes peaceful. Like at least that practice, the practice that you can have with you at whatever whatever level you can, that's going to keep you at least afloat and peaceful. And then, oh my goodness, when you can get back to the frequency or get back to where you were maybe at a previous time that will just throw you right back into that wonderful space, high vibration, then it'll be there. It will be there. You're not going to lose any ground. Just keep yourself afloat while you can and know that that lesson number three, practice makes peaceful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
how is your practice? <laughs> if you are if you are struggling, if you are oh having a hard time keeping afloat, let me just ask you that. How's your practice? And then whatever it takes, um, whatever thread of your practice you can keep going, grab it because practice makes peaceful. Okay, and then number four, if all else fails, throw a Hail Mary pass. So um, you may have heard um, my show with Clark Strand and Perdita Finn. Um, we were in Leavenworth, so gosh, that was probably a couple months ago. And they have a book by the name of The Way of the Rose. They also run um, their um, Way of the Rose circles. Um, and so if you didn't hear that show, the short of it is, if you probably heard of the rosary before, probably associated with Catholicism. The rosary is a bead tradition. Bead traditions go back so far before organized religion, back to when um, our ancestors, ancestors of millennia ago, really did um, look to the earth and the earth mother and that cosmic womb from which all things come, the goodness, the sunshine, the rain, the crops, and the, the, the animals and the plants and all of the things that they lived so beautifully with. This bead tradition that it ultimately became the rosary started there. And so um, they have gone back and really, from a historical perspective, revived this bead tradition that became the, the Catholic rosary. And they have modified, as they say, there are no rosary police. So really when you are using any kind of a bead tradition, but specifically what they are teaching you are connecting in with a, a cosmic energetic stream that has been going for millennia of folks devoted to the, the, the original mother of it all, which, you know, there's a, the, uh, however you like to look at the divine, um, God, the universe, force out there. I don't really think it's gendered, but I think the way that we humans look at things um, that, you know, there's a mother God, father God, uh, female, the, the divine feminine, divine masculine. This is, this is the part that really is recognizing the, or this devotion is one that recognizes the energy of the divine feminine. Um, and of course, the Virgin Mary or the mother by any name you wish to call her um, is one of those iterations of the mother. I mean, there are so many other female um, goddess iterations or God iterations. Um, but this one, you know, it's, I think, connected with Mary. So I have been using all this to say I started using the rosary, not in a religious or Catholic sense, but in a way that I modified the Hail Mary prayers to um, uh, fit with my truth of what I feel and experience when I commune with God and with the divine. Um, there are divine masculine and divine feminine elements to that, and this is the prayers that I have that I have crafted using the originals. Um, uh, I was going to jump in. The oh, yeah. show is actually September seventeenth. Uh, yeah. So if you want to check that out, and it's the way of the rose dot org. Yes. If you want to check out the book. Thank you. Yes, yeah. Benny. That's mm -hmm. perfect. It's a yeah. Great book. Yeah. Great it book. really is. I mean, it really is, and it's it's. Uh, I will say, I'll just share. Actually, what I'll share is, um, you know. The Hail Mary, as I have been saying it, and then I'll also share there's within the Hail Mary, the original Hail Mary, there's actually the three, the, the triple goddess or the three versions of the feminine. You know, you've got the maiden, the mother and the crone. 
that often in, in spiritual communities we work with these these energies um, that are really that follow a, a female through the life cycle. Um, so there's a version of the Hail Mary that honors that triple goddess, the maiden, the mother, and the crone. So I'll just say both of these. Um, so the original Hail Mary, this is kind of the more traditional version um, with my little tiny spin on it. You know, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, love. Um, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for all beings now and at the hour of our death. So that's kind of the traditional. You may get a little itchy when you hear that because it brings up if you're a recovering Catholic or a recovering religious person, as I am, um, you know, you have to craft these the way that they feel good to you. And then I'll just read the triple goddess here. Uh, Hail maiden, full of graces, thy beloveds are with thee. Blessed art thou among mothers and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, life. Holy crone, queen of the cosmos, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Um, so these are just ways that I have taken the point being, I took this devotion that they have reconnected or connected me with, made it my own in a way that feels like I am tapping into something greater than myself. And the reason I like this is because things were so up in the air. They were so up in the air. And I don't even know. I looked at what's required of my divinity school applications now that I'm casting that wider, wider to more schools. And oh my goodness, it's a lot. I don't know where we're going to move, and we have to be out of our temporary rental, you know, January 3rd, which is a day before one of my applications is due. Like, there's a lot going on right now. Chase is starting his new career path next week um, or rejoining the family company in in a new way, whatever. Things are shifting, and there are times when I just have to, um, you know, if you've heard in sports, the Hail Mary pass comes from, I think, back in 1922, Notre Dame players said a Hail Mary prayer, probably the more traditional version because it was a Catholic. It is a Catholic university. And back then it was probably even more uh, orthodox. But they said a Hail Mary, Hail Mary prayer in the huddle before scoring a six yard touchdown. It worked. So they continued using it. And then it kind of through various coaches and player iterations, it made, you know, uh, mainstream um language and it's a Hail Mary pass now because it is it's one that's thrown with a prayer because the odds against completion are big when I feel that the odds against me being able to do whatever it is I need to do or understand or plan or any of the things it's just all too much and it's all out of my hands throw a Hail Mary so maybe that is um, some other prayer entirely for you But the thing about the bead devotions is I can hold it in my hands and I can say this without even really thinking. And as Clark Strand, who is a former Zen Buddhist monk, one of the ones who really resurrected this tradition as as a more um, radical feminine devotion now in current times, he said, you know, as a Zen Buddhist monk, praying the rosary in his way gets him to a meditative, still inner space faster than getting onto his meditation pillow did when he was a monk, if that tells you anything. So this is something that I just do. I'm like, when all else fails, I grab those beads and I say my own version of the Hail Mary that connects me with a a universal stream of loving energy, that divine mother that if you think about a mother's loving energy can just hold. And you know what? I'm going to give it to mom and mom's going to help me. Um, And so that can be any version, again, of the mother by any name or any god or goddess that you resonate with. So what's your Hail Mary? And I encourage you to, oh my gosh, it's the first time I ran out of time without even looking at it. I encourage you to find your your own Hail Mary pass. So those are my lessons from the road. Um, thank you, Benny. You're welcome. Glad you're Glad back. Glad you're back. Uh, you've been listening to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy. We'll be back next week.